I believe we came here to play this game of divine wake up. Like, hey, remember, you're this, you think you're this little person with a nervous system that only lets in 1% of the reality around you, but actually you're this infinite, eternal being on this epic quest to evolve and become more. And so we took on the helplessness of being a human infant to cripple ourselves, to refine our ability to create and put in a time lag. Because if we just created immediately the way we do in spirit, we could, we, this will be even more of a mess than it is. Welcome to the Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting-edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. All right, let's dive in and get started. Today's guest is Bethany Ann Gagne, and Bethany is the founder and director of Numinous, sponsor of the Resonant Peaceful Cities Project for almost 30 years. Bethany has invited people to invoke the power of focused healing, intention to facilitate health and well-being during hundreds of private and public biofeedback sessions. After watching the power of intention inside the body, she started studying the prayer and intentional research for sending intentions outside of the body. Her research pursuits inspired her to start the Resonant Peaceful Cities Project. And Bethany has been also pioneering the states of consciousness and internal processes required for what she refers to as the consciousness athlete lifestyle, a method for confidently using the body as a feedback instrument of consciousness and grace. And we're going to get all, get into all of this. Bethany, first of all, welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the invite. My pleasure. Um, so Bethany, maybe just start by taking us through your background and what got you interested and into the biofeedback. I know you had some experiences in college re revolving around pain, pain disorder, but how you got into this um, the power of intention and biofeedback. Yeah, it was kind of something that found me. I wasn't looking for it. Um, at the time, I was just a, a student in college who was studying music. And in music school, you have to kind of practice all these different instruments all the time. And so it's a lot of kind of repetitive motion on the body. And what happened was I was basically taking a particularly um, difficult course load and a number of courses and my body started to stop, not work the way it had in all those hours of practicing, right? So when you're practicing an instrument, you're supposed to get better. And then what happened was I was getting worse. And um, so I was studying for something to pass out on my piano um, arpeggios and I was losing control of my fingers. I would try to press the buttons on the piano and um, they couldn't get that percussive sound. And and of course, everybody thought it was um, a carpal tunnel. And then basically, it really took two years to figure out that what was happening was uh, my ligaments that hold bone to bone were loosening. And so what was happening is all of my joints were kind of flopping around and putting pressure on the nervous and vascular system and, and having me lose um, control. So um, basically, my body's you could just say that my joints would spontaneously dislocate. Um, and that could cause a real problem if you're a music student. Mm. And it did. Um, and so that was kind of the beginning of and and then what happened after that was um, I started to have 
basically a Kundalini awakening. And I had never heard the word Kundalini. I didn't know the word she, I didn't know any of that. I just knew what I know now was kind of electricity going up and down my acupuncture meridians. Um, you know, I've heard it called, uh, you know, even, I even heard of a term God wind, so to speak. And so I'm having all these energetic experiences and, you know, I just, you know, of course they all think I'm this, um, you know, hysterical young woman, so to speak. Um, so once my joints started dislocating, that was good because I had this objective thing to, to share with people. Um, and then what happened was, uh, I started to, uh, basically a doctor, um, I had gone to see a, a top doctor in hypermobility. He said to me, there is nothing. And he said, yes, you're, you're hypermobile. This happens to women in their childbearing years. Um, it happens to less than 2% of the population and maybe you'll tighten up around the age of 50. So I remember going out to my car, sitting on an egg crate cushion, you know, that seniors sit on in, in nursing homes. And cause I had them all over cause my joints were so worn. And, um, I just remember sitting on that egg crate cushion in my car and just crying and saying, you know what, I am 23 years old and I feel like I'm 93 and this is not, this is not going to happen. Like, this is not, I, I refuse to submit to this at the, my young age. And, um, and so I just made this intention that I was going to heal and I had no idea why, how, how or why. Um, but I, one thing I, I was determined to keep claiming my body. So I, I would continue to go either to walk or to go to the gym. Like I was not going to surrender. And what I noticed was, um, there were, I could tell, I just had this really keen awareness of the inside of my body, which I had been ignoring for most of my life. And I started to notice that where I focused my intention, there were, um, I would see, I would feel changes. I started to notice that certain emotional states tied with certain pains in my body. For instance, if I had a pain in my left knee, um, I knew I had the, I noticed I was feeling quote odd, you know, that I would have this feeling of being somewhat of an odd human being. And I still am, but at the time, um, I would feel it in my left knee. So I had this real acute sense that what, what I was doing inside of me was changing everything that I was having. And it took me about seven years, but I found my way out of that. And, um, and throughout the process, eventually I was able to run four miles a day. And, you know, and then after a while I was like, could I teach this to people? Because I would see people with pain and, and I would say, you know, it doesn't have to be like that. Like there's ways out of it. Um, so anyway, so there was that. And then as the universe would have it, I was had this opportunity to get trained in biofeedback and I got trained through three different organizations. And I guess that was the journey. It started on the inside. And then eventually, yes, I, I started saying, well, if intention can make such a powerful difference on the inside of the body, um, what could happen on the outside of the body after I read about a prayer research study and the mm. prayer research study? Mm. Yeah. So it was, um, by, it was a landmark study, I think it was San Francisco general. Um, and it was about prayer, um, with the cardiac unit and, uh, Dr. Larry Dossi had said that had this, they had, there were such positive results in the prayer study that had it been a new drug, you know, the results would have been touted everywhere and its stock would have skyrocketed the next day. Like that was how significant these findings were if it were actually a drug. Um, but it was just prayer. So everybody ignored it. <laughs> but for me, that was a pivotal time of like, hmm, maybe I should start opening up to a power greater than myself. And, um, and it was, you know, just started. So you put it all together and here we are today with gosh, so many years later. So, so when you go back to that time of dealing with the pain, I mean, how, how did you know, 
Like, how did you translate that into a process that you you that you utilized for dealing with the pain? You know, this twenty three year old student um, musician. How, how did you how did you translate it into a process that you that you utilized that was that was so effective for you? Well, it's a fascination that I have to this very day, and it is um, where my locus of consciousness is. So wherever our mind lands, it has impact, which is interesting because it's actually both. Now, now this is the kind of stuff that people take for granted nowadays, right? So you do a body scan in a meditation, right? So everybody takes that for granted. Oh, of course, you take your awareness, you put it in your foot and it changes. But do you really understand the power of that, right? That that how you hold your locus of awareness in your foot can be the difference of, you know, well, usually what will happen is you'll send blood flow to your foot. Like that's how powerful your locus of awareness can be, right? You're actually altering blood flow in the body with your locus of intention, right? So I never get tired of that. I'm always aware of where my consciousness is parked. Now, every, now if we take this also outside the body, I'll give you a real practical example of that. How many times have you pulled up to a stoplight and all of a sudden, you know, you're there, you're looking at the stoplight and then all of a sudden you find your head turning and you're looking eye to eye to somebody that was looking at you. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, right, right. Right. <laughs> right. So we could you what happened is, right. So your your head is forward, but you're feeling someone's consciousness kind of pierce yours. Right. And that's why all of a sudden subconsciously you turn your head and you and someone's looking right at you. Right. And so they've had, they've done a lot of research on this. Um, guy, what was his name? Rupert Sheldrake has done a ton of research on this. It's called the sense of being stared at. And so this idea that this locus of consciousness has impact. And, um, and then I'm just so fascinated. You know, I'm, I feel like in my mind, I'm working on a third book right now on, on, on how, how, how to, how do we teach this and how do we explain it and, and how, why is it worth our efforts? Because it could seem so simple because it's inside the body. So why bother? Right. But, you know, people don't realize it's that very locus of imp of their mind and they're not in charge of it. So they they're having all sorts of fibromyalgia and things like that. Um, so. So anyway, so that's the kind of I feel like the mecha you would ask me the question, something like, well, how do we teach it? I really am teaching people how to use that focus, locus of consciousness to work for them instead of just having it run rampant in our lives and um, not know why we get the benefit of the results we do. Hmm. And these are just practices that you that you've sort of learned through the years. I always use my own body as a biofeedback instrument. So I will tell you, anytime I've had an illness or um, an injury, if Oh, I'm always also teaching people about their energy field around them, right? So this idea that, you know, your your body is really just a place to let people know where your spirit is, right? Your spirit goes beyond your body. And so there's all sorts of information surrounding your body right now that has to do with your health. So it's the idea that illness actually starts in the energy field and then gets dense and more dense and more dense, and it finally gets to the body. So healing is like this unraveling of that. And I will not tell you that this is simple and I will not tell you this is easy and I'm not going to say, you know, but I will tell you that if you have an illness 
and you you work in the field, you will find a density in the field around the illness. I mean, it's just fact, right? And so what I like to do instead of me telling people that, I I've, I do hands-on healing work, but I've never liked to just do a healing and send the person out the door. My job is, can I have that person find it themselves? How can I teach them to become aware of their own energy field? So not only am I teaching locus of consciousness, but also becoming aware of what do I usually call the land the landscape of the energy field around you, like to really understand what is the space around you? What is the information in it? Where is it feel dense and contracted? Uh, and then where can you point that locus of consciousness to, to impact that area? And uh, so this is what we do. I've been working with some people for six years now, and we are constantly diving into our fields, cleansing it. And the side effect of this is when you clear those densities and you clear those blocks, you have more energy to finance the better emotions such as joy, right? Joy, love, happiness, sweetness, gorgeousness. Um, and that's what also keeps me going is I, meaning that I continue this work every day, almost every moment of every day, actually, um, because I know that I'm, that that moving any block in my field only makes me feel more connected to the field, more gorgeous, more um, sweetness, uh, states of being that you learn to tolerate, literally tolerate, tolerating sweetness. Um, and, and it's there for everyone. Like this is the truth of who we are. I'm not saying anything that's magical, anything. This is really about kind of hard, persistent work in the field, but, after many years, you know, the sweetness, the gorgeousness, the, the freedom, the internal freedom is just a worthy endeavor. Like, mm. you know, so I just plan as I get older to just get more clear, more sweet, you know, more, more buoyant. Uh, it, it's just a training. And um, so anyway, so this, how's that? I love it. I <laughs> to love put it. it all together. I'm just, I'm just wondering though, you know, if, you know, some, if, if someone is like overwhelmed with like lower states of being, whether it's fear, whether it's anxiousness or, or whatever, and you're, whether it's pain even, and you're just so focused on that and you're, and you're, that's like you said, that's where you're parked. That's where your awareness is parked. Like, is it, a, is it an act of like, how does one elevate from, from that? If you're consumed, um, you know, by a lower state and you want to, you want to elevate to higher levels. Um, is it simply like an act of will, like an, like just daily practice of, of getting to that point or for someone who is stuck at maybe lower levels that they're, you know, that they're not happy with? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what a great question, right? Because this can sound so internal. Um, and yet we have these really gritty, hard light. And then we have our external world going on, right? Let alone we got this going on, on the inside. Then we have our external world. So as far as getting um, out of the muck of the uh, those challenges, there's a few ways that we do this. Uh, basically, one is to, well, we, we've been training in locus of awareness, how to hold our awareness. So very often I will train people how to, this is a big part of the work. It's not always, but a big part of the work is taking that on, meaning that um, I will have people, first of all, I have them kind of really become aware of the whole field, 
get really uh, set. Like we understand the landmarks and then I help people buoy them. I begin by helping people buoy into more beautiful states. Just because that's like our safety place, right? If you know that you can just go inside, go zoom, 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 and like lift to a little bit of a relief or a higher state, then you, you kind of have your safety place, right? So I do help people get some, you know, I can, you can get people into some pretty, I've seen people come in absolutely traumatized with what's happening in the world and take them down into a meditation and just come back with their eyes open and kind of go, holy, you know, like I can't, like, they just look around and like, whoa, I am in such a different state of consciousness. Yeah. Like they won't say state of consciousness, but they're just blown away by how different they felt compared to 20 minutes before. Um, so, so that does happen that you can get some relief. That being said, um, there are these persistent, uh, I, I refer to them as negative addiction. No, what is it? Emotional addictions. We have these emotional addictions, these mental thought loops. And I will have people take that on. I mean, just take it on. So if you know that you can find gorgeousness in your field somewhere or some sort of relief or sweetness, then you have the courage to go into. One of the things I like to find is powerlessness. Now, people hate it when I say that. Years ago, I tried to give a talk on powerlessness and nobody signed up <laughs> because who wants to go into powerlessness, right? And yet that's, that is the challenge of our society is we can't, we are taught that we are supposed to medicate everything away. But what you don't realize, people don't know, is, and we were delighted to discover this. This is why we explore consciousness. If you actually go into powerlessness, what, what you'll find is there's fear and trepidation because who wants to feel it? We find it in the body, we go into it. And then all of a sudden this power comes up through powerlessness. Like all of it. And all that is, is your chi is getting released, right? And you're all of a sudden like, oh yeah. Like think about something that's happened to you in your past and it devastated you at the time, but you can think about it now and it doesn't get you, right? Mm. That, that mm. process. Mm. We just accelerate mm. that. And so we do that because all emotion is really just places in the energy field. And I realize this, you know, this is why we train. This is why I'm always, the way I'm always teaching is I drop in an idea. I create a meditation for that group on that discussion. People go home and practice it for two weeks. They come back, they, they, they report out, and then we take them to another level, right? So because there's nobody can do this work, but you, you know, no, I can't do the work for you. I tell people I'm an excellent coach, but I can't do the work for you. If you're not willing to go in and start moving your energy around, then, you know, I can't help you kind of thing. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. And, and so you started with that, Bethany, and then you, I guess you decided that you wanted to take it outside of your body and into um, the field and you started this resonant peaceful cities project maybe just talk a little bit about how that evolved sure um so so yeah i that that kind of started in the same time in my 20s where i'd seen the incredible research of the tm organization and about when a relatively small amount of people performed the tm meditations um there would be this corresponding reduction of violence in the, in the cities and I was so young and naive. I just thought, oh, my God, this is all we need to do to ease societal ills. Like, oh, it's just going to be a matter of time before this is taught from every rooftop, and, you know, all schools and all organizations. And um, and I waited and I waited about five, six, five, six years. And I just said, you know what? Um, I, I want to do this. I want to invite all of us to do this research and not wait for somebody else kind of thing. And so I, I incorporated my organization, Numinous. Um, I had two young babies at the time, so I couldn't really do the research yet. But the whole point was, can I create a group of meditators 
that would be willing to um, demonstrate this phenomenon to others. And it's taken us a little bit of time because, you know, I just started from, you know, little old me and, you know, um, and I just said, hey, you know, let, hey, let's do this. Let's everybody let's get together and meditate and, um, and we'll look at the police statistics to see how much of an impact our intentions have made. And uh, so the universe kind of like helped a little bit. And um, doc, I started, I met Dr. Katina Reinhold, who is um, a professor of mathematics and statistics at the State University of New York at Albany. And she has an incredible passion for this. She has a gorgeous heart. Um, and she loves, you know, things like the Course in Miracles. She's on the, you know, Unity Albany um, board, things like that. And, um, but she's also a mathematician and statistician. So she and I work really well together and we're just passionate that we've stayed together for years on figuring this out. And to date, we have now done three uh, peace projects that have yielded highly statistically reductions in violence during our peace weeks. And so, um, and now, you know, for years, I didn't really know how this was going to roll, but now we finally, you know, we kind of have, we've hacked a lot of things at the community level. And so now we're kind of reorganizing and now taking it to what I'm calling the Legion of Light, where we're wanting to invite people to participate in a very specific way on a daily way to do mass meditations for the globe every day. And then also uh, spend, you know, every now and then we'll stop and do a city. So for instance, every day people go to their mat, to bathe the planet in light. We'll talk more about their personal benefits they get from that, but they bathe the planet in light every day. And then, you know, at the end of July, we'll do a week where we send our intentions to Louisville, Kentucky, which we did last summer, and we'll uh, send blessings to Louisville, Kentucky. And then uh, after that, Dr. Ken Dr. Reinhold will pull the police statistics to see how much of an impact our intentions for peace have made. So the idea is that by showing people at, on a city level, they might actually start to believe that when they're sending intentions to the globe, that it is actually making a difference. So um, that's my goal. I want to do seven more cities and um, to demonstrate to people who they really are, that we are more powerful than we've been raised to believe. And uh, there, we have this whole non-local mind that we are underutilizing, and then we're waiting for other people to figure it out when really... Uh, we can start organizing the field towards peace and love and sweetness and light and the and and love is equal opportunity so it has ways of incorporating the needs of everyone um there's this technology that we could be using and we are not using it so that is my that is what i that is what drives me every day of my life really and to leave some research for the next generation so that they don't have to wait so long to figure out who they really are and they have some footprints to follow and take this work um, better and deeper. And so anybody can get involved, like anybody listening right now, they can they can all get involved. Yes. Yes. Um, that's the thing. I make it very I want, you know, this is about you and your nervous system and, you know, and that you have this power. We are all equal in the etheric. So, yes, everyone can be involved. And it, um, for the Legion of Light, obviously, there's it's a free it's a free resource that you can share with others. And uh, you could go to numinousonline.org, numinousonline, that's with an N, numinousonline.org or peacefulcities.org. We are hopefully by the time this airs, our new website will be up and you will see that because right now um, we'll, we got three. Can I just say one thing about the personal benefits of this work? Yes. That'd be great because this is, you know, 
inspiring people to meditate for a city um, nowadays is easier than it used to be because nowadays people are really feeling the heat of violence all around them, right? But years ago, people really didn't care so much. Um, it's a little bit easier now. But basically, people have a lot of stresses. They're, they can't take on their city. You know, they're struggling to with their every day, right? Um, so we got that. We understand that some people are, have enough space bandwidth to to bless a city and then others um really just really need to get some things in their lives going a little smoother right especially if you've been young children or whatever just life happens right so here's what i want to tell you is i designed this in such a way that yes you're bathing the planet in light but that you will gain huge benefits from doing the legion of light the reason why is because every day we invite people to open their heart a little bit more. So if every day you're taking out some scar tissue, like think of the your heart is like a garden, right? And if a garden is not tended to, it gets overrun with weeds, you know, things don't, right? Well, that's the way our heart is. Our heart is like a garden. It's really important that we um, learn how to water it with good stuff, not a lot of social media trash, so to speak. Um but water it with like good stuff, good information, sweetness, kindness. We need to pull out the resentments. We need to weed our heart of resentments, of disappointments, of, you know, negative mental thought loops, right? And then we need to kind of really kind of nourish it with sunshine, right? So really connecting to the divine or infinite love. So if you think about your heart as a garden every day, um, understand that... Uh, we've measured that people get happier with the peace projects. Why? Mostly be what I've noticed is, um, is the heart. When you start lightening the heart, you get happy. It's like, it just, what ha it's a side effect of lightening the heart. You just get happy. So we've measured up to an 84% increase in happiness, just participating in the peace projects. Right? So there's that That's number one, your heart lightens. So you're able to find yourself to a little bit of relief. Maybe even if your life's okay, even find some joy. Right. And you start to noticing you're smiling a little easier. You're laughing a little harder. We're always laughing. We, we laugh very loud. We Peace Project people tend to be the loudest in a restaurant <laughs> because we love to laugh. Um, and then second of all, the next thing that I kind of have figured out over the years is when we're extending this beauty, we become this vessel for gorgeous, for sweetness and love, which is palpable. That's not a flimsy little thing. Love is strong and it's it's got a strength to it. Beauty has strength. So then you're blessing the planet. So you're becoming this vessel for beauty strength, <laughs> I call it. Um, and, and so you, you kind of, the, what that does is stabilize your energy field. And when you stabilize your energy field, you're less moody. You know, you're more stable. You have greater capacity to hold sweetness, right? So that's the second benefit. You expand your field, which stabilizes your mood. And then the third benefit of this 20-minute Legion of Light meditation that we're going to invite people to participate in every day is I leave space for you to send intentions to your own life, right? And so people can start to practice how can they point their locus of awareness into their own life for better practices. 
So um, I leave five minutes and I, you know, often ask people to, um, you know, uh, send this beauty, this love and light ahead to a place in the day. Maybe they have a tough meeting with their ex-spouse or maybe they have a tough business meeting or they've got a child that's really troubling with something and they know their heart is going to want to close up. We have them send love and light to that situation, their own personal light and ask for the highest love and light to evolve to ask the highest and best for everyone involved and to allow ourselves to be teachable by this infinite love that is literally waiting at this at the at our doorstep to help but we are so full of ourselves that we think we have to do it all that we don't allow it in so it gives people an opportunity to to remember that there's this infinite being they're connected to infinite love and they can employ these resources to their own life, right? So those are the three personal benefits that you will get by participating in the Legion of Light simultaneously while you're lifting the world from your living room. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. This is how we're just talking about it. And can, have you shifted? Can you feel that you're in a different space or no? I, I do. I feel it. <laughs> I feel it. Yeah. Can you even just go ahead and talk about that a little? See, this is the gorgeous. It's close. Mm. Anyway, if you can just, and I know it may be hard because I'm putting you on the spot because well, we're not used to talking about inner states. So I can feel it. I'm feeling, I'm sensing a lightness around me. There's greater light around me. Um, you can just feel the, the sweet, the lightness and the sweetness. I don't know how, can you notice, think about how, when we started this minute, this conversation to how you feel now is there any way you can describe it i know i'm putting you on the spot no i i, I appreciate it bethany because i can tell you're very in tune with, <laughs> with everything going on around you um no there i i'll be honest before we started there was a heaviness because i i i was i had been hit with a few things prior to our our conversation that kind of threw me for a loop a little bit and i felt the heaviness but by just listening to you I feel, I feel, I feel a lightning. There's w without question, a lightning, a, a, a more of a peacefulness, a happiness. I, yeah, I, I, I do feel, I do feel a shift. <laughs> it's gorgeous. And it's always there, no matter what we go through. And so I'm just so trained now that when life hits me with stuff, because, you know, people have this magical idea that they think, you know, even I've heard Dr. Joe say, like, the more advanced you get, the more advanced problems you have kind of thing. Hmm. Um, it's the complexity of life. and I can, that could be another whole thing, but, but in there is this sweet, is, is love and light. And if we can just become available to, and then learn to be teachable by love and light, then, um, that is kind of, that's my goal is a hundred percent availability to the divine, to the infinite, because the, you just kind of made yourself more available to the infinite, to infinite love. And this is, these are the side effects. And notice how just talking about it helped us access it. Hmm. And, and so it's so it's really it's it seems like so it's an opening to like you said. I, I mean, there's a sense that we think we can do it all ourselves, and maybe that goes back to what you were talking about with powerlessness. But just like the letting go of surrendering it to, like you said, to love and light, to our higher power, whatever you want to call it. But, but it's like, in a way, I, I feel as though 
I mean, Bethany, I don't know if you agree, but, but you know, when we try to do it all, we put it all on our shoulders. I mean, it's, it's like we, we be, it's, it's a real struggle. It's a real grind versus just letting it go and turning it over to, you know, this love and light, this higher power. Yeah. And to get to get ourselves to trust that. Right. Mm. And that is the journey just to trust that gorgeous, that, that that love and light is going to hold you because we're down here in the 3d world going, Hey, you know, spirit, yeah, you're there, but like, I'm being held accountable in this 3d world. Like, are you, you know, um, so can you trust these light vibrations? Right. And that's part of the journey of this, this thing. Now I kind of call this journey becoming a consciousness athlete because you're training your body just like an athlete to sustain heightened states of consciousness. And, but I'll tell you that I, I realized I realized what it really was, this consciousness athlete journey. I've studied a lot of saints, mystics, and masters, and I like to study the ones that are not born realized, but became realized. Mm. And what I found was really this consciousness athlete curriculum that all my work is kind of around now um, is really the journey of the saints and mystics to complete availability to love. And all that is, is an energy field that's pretty clean, a heart that's pretty light, and a proper calibration of our lives with the divine. So you came in with a particular mission, Drew, like we all did. And then we come in here and we're supposed to be co-creating with infinite love, but we take on this ego and, you know, we get to the terrible twos and, you know, we, we, we get quote terrible twos and we are surprised that the world doesn't bend to our every whim at terrible two. And then we spend our whole lives trying to learn this more proper calibration with the divine to the point where, and, and, and the end of our lives, we're often in that complete state of surrender, right? Now that could sound really horrible, right? Oh, you know, we go into that surrender, that helplessness, but, but can we, can, but we're actually getting closer to calibration at that point. Now, can we back that up and have it in the prime of our lives where the veil to the other side is more open and we're receiving help from every day from the, the other side. Like, and, and so what if challenges are really just these opportunities for us to learn our proper balance with the divine? It's, it's in the Eastern philosophy, there's a concept of Uwe, and um, it's really this idea of, um, oh God, how, it's a um, kind of like a, this perfect calibrate where you're poised between this world and the other world and you've, you've created a life around remaining poised between this world and the other world. And often that means that maybe some of the things in our lives have to move um, out because we're, we're, we've got too much baggage on ourselves to carry it. Um, and then it becomes a point of when you do take on things, how do you take it on in this poised way where you're still able to maintain your balance inside yourself, um, but you are definitely co-creating with the divine you leave this big space for spirit. I often say, I'm now saying that surrendered is the new powerful. Surrendered is the new powerful. Mm -hmm. um, I, I even heard, and surrendering has layers to it. I, at one time I did hear Dr. Joe say something, you know, he, his concept of surrender is different than it was three months ago. Right. So, um, so what is this beauty, this calibration? And maybe that's the real reason of why we're here. I believe it is. I believe we came here to play this game of divine wake up. Like, hey, remember, you're this, you think you're this little person with a nervous system that only lets in 1% of the reality around you, but actually you're this infinite, eternal being 
on this epic quest to evolve and become more. And so we took on the helplessness of being a human infant to cripple ourselves, to refine our ability to create and put in a time lag. Because if we just created immediately the way we do in spirit, we could, we, this will be even more of a mess than it is. Um, but, but finally, I mean, just closing up on that is this idea that, that we, um, can we, can we create? Yeah. So, so then the game becomes divine. Up. Oh my God, that's right. I remember I'm this infinite eternal creature, which shifts your energy field to a light detachment. And it starts to almost become a game. So if we can get to the point where we are have the right proper calibration of our energy field to life, that's the Buddhist idea of detachment, which the ego hates that word. But actually, it means that you're more free internally to have more energy to create and have more fun. Hmm. Oh, love it. Love it. Um, Bethany, you know, I wanted to just mention, so, you know, some of your, I mean, I could listen to you all day all day every day <laughs> um it's so great um and i'm i'm getting so much from you and i think everybody listening is too but i just wanted to mention so you have some books that i just wanted to mention you have some you have an audio book women food sex and power a step by step program for rekindling your fire as well as gaining traction with the law of attraction a 30 day boot camp to, to totally transform your life. And I know you also have a new book dealing with, well, I guess you're still working on it, dealing with difficult people for spiritual people using the yeah. friction of our most challenging relationship to cultivate heightened consciousness. Are you, are you working on that one now or? Yeah, that's, um, I, I kind of have it. I just have to uh, edit it, but the, yeah, I, relationships can be a PhD in spirituality, right? If, and if we can use them for the, the, the challenges that they offer, that's where we can totally gain some, get a PhD in spirituality. You start to get that proper calibration that I was talking about, mm. but you know, regarding mm. the other books, um, the other books, they're really kind of brought, if you, my latest, the book that's actually in text is become a consciousness athlete a step-by-step program to heighten consciousness for daily happiness. That's the book that I almost have mushed all the other books into. So people wanted like the well-rounded version of, of that is just go to become a, it can be on Amazon or audible, become a consciousness athlete, a step-by-step program to heighten consciousness for daily happiness. Then the second one dealing with difficult people for spiritual people. Yeah. Do you have, and then and then the byline to that is something like using, yeah, like you said, using the friction of our relationships to cultivate the pearl of heightened consciousness. Um, that one I'm going to, I'm going to start doing some classes about because I want to kind of field test some new ideas I've got. I mean, I know when I wrote the book, I know exactly what I'm saying, but I love to, t- I'm, I decided to add meditations to it. So I'm going to be uh, really working with individuals on some of their grittiest relationships. Mm-hmm. And we're going to learn how to hold our power in our field um, to understand what is the higher purpose of the relationship, you know, and then, and then um, to hold space in our, inside ourselves uh, to become more, um, what's the word I want? Refined. We want to be better calibrated. If we are hemorrhaging our power somewhere that needs to be cleaned up. If we are losing our power due to mental loops 
that needs to be cleaned up. Like it's this idea of being able to hold your presence in, in, this, in, the, in the presence of the person and complete impeccability. Um, and uh, we talk about the complexities of that. Um, you know, 10% of the population can be narcissistic. They say sociopathy, it's actually kind of one out of 25. Um, so we, we, those are some real dicey parts, but then there's the relationships of just everyday people, you know, that, um, how can we learn to appreciate the challenges they offer us to find the sweetness within and maybe even continue to fall more in love with our child or spouse or whatever every day when we know how to be properly calibrated, um, Mm -hmm. and allow them to be them. And to allow us to be us and to feel whole and complete inside ourselves as we meet these challenges. So we, we get in some some of the diciest experiences of human nature, um, but really go back to what is our journey here and why are we here? And how does this person serve you in your soul's quest in this lifetime to find gorgeousness? Hmm. I want to find gorgeousness. That sounds great. Um, that's that's fantastic. And and uh, so you'll just be letting when you're letting people know when those groups are taking place, or yeah, um, absolutely. And it should be relatively soon. I'm guessing August, September. Um, it was starting with those groups. Oh. And you know what, Drew? You know that beauty that you were in just a little while ago. You know what's cool about that beauty hmm. is there always how um, it never ends beauty goes on and on and on. So we can, we can only get more beautiful, right? Only more gorgeous because mm. love is infinite. And, um, cause we'll acclimate, right? Then you get used to the beauty and you're like, Oh yeah, beauty, you know? And then, and then, and then it's like, well, how do you find more, you know, how do you, how do you break through and allow yourself even more, you know, it goes on and on. So that's, what's fun. It, 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 and then you just get better and better at it. And then a big nasty challenge comes your way and you're like, oh, fine spirit, you know, sit down, meditate. Fine. This is so complex. I know it's beyond my ego. All right. What do you want? <laughs> like, you know, and then, and you just get faster and faster at it. It's fun. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Years of, of facing, you know, horrible things, right. B- hardship that has um, really, that's why, you know, I speak from experience. Like this is all here for us. And um, no matter what life is, has sent your way, there, it does, there's nothing that could have happened to you, even if it's brutal, like you lost somebody or whatever, um, that your energy field can't be healed in such a way that you can kind of give that area of your life a deep head bow and say thank you. Mm. Wow. Bethany, this was wonderful. Um, so we'll, we'll put a link. Well, we'll put a link to anything that you want me to put a link to in the, in the show notes, but we'll, we'll link up to a lot of this stuff so people can find out about you and the books and the, the peace projects and all that, all that good stuff. Is there any, any kind of last words or anything that you wanted to, to, to get out there before we uh, wrap up here? Uh, what's coming to me now is often what I would tell kids in inner city schools, I'd say you are worthy of your own attention. You are worthy of your own attention, right? We give all our attention outside ourselves and it's only on the inside we're going to find these places. So you are worthy of your own time, your own focus to, to say, yes, I want to make this journey within and find sweetness. Mm, Love it. Bethany, thank you so much. This was, this was wonderful. 
Oh, thank you for inviting me. And Drew, I so appreciate your participation in the Legion of Light. And again, you, you know, the website's being done um, and you will be hearing more from me when when uh, we get all the technical stuff. People don't realize how technical this really is behind the scenes. Mm. Um, so thank you for come, for being part of the meetings. And I know you're following us from the side. And um, if you could just stay with us, we'd really appreciate if, if you would continue because your your understandings. I've also explained to you, hopefully you've been in the meetings where I say in understandings like yours are what we need. Like, and we need to put your understandings, people, this idea that love and light can be powerful, all that. We, those of us who understand this, we need to go to our mat and put it in service of humanity if we're going to have any trajectory change. So I really value people like you, especially taking a leadership role and doing a podcast and just keep doing what you're doing because we, we need people like you to do what you're doing. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Drew Perlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover, and stay well, everyone.